to the book of Acts, the second chapter. And uh, praise God. God bless you for your faithfulness and all that you do. It's such a blessing to be a part of this church. Praise God. And always, 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 we couldn't do anything without God. It's all because of Him. We're going to do a little bit of review from this morning. Appreciate everybody just uh, digging in. And I truly believe one, I was thinking about this during the service, just kind of coming into my heart, feeling the presence of God. There's a reason God moves the way he does. And um, one of them, one of them is because of the word of God. Amen. It matters. Amen. It's not, well, it doesn't really matter what it means or what it says. It matters. The Bible talks about sound doctrine. Amen. That's able to save us. Uh, casual or cavalier attitude towards Scripture is our attitude towards Jesus. If we think, yeah, you know, I have this relationship with God and I don't really, it doesn't really matter what the Bible says. Whoa, wait a minute now. Where are you getting your information about who he is from, from your mind, from your heart? Oh, he's so much greater than what you could fathom. So I appreciate people that are hungry for truth, that love the truth and want more of the truth. Because in that we can see him. Because the truth is what makes us free. Amen. That's what the word of God says. Acts the second chapter. If you have it, say amen. All right. Help me pray, church. Father, we love you. Thank you. For your presence here tonight, thank you, Lord, for the Lord, just the anointing that we feel in this house, God, and what you are doing in us. And, Lord, we pray through us, God, that we can strengthen and encourage one another, Lord, that we can be a blessing to one another, and, God, that we can take it out to this world, Lord, and shine our light, God. Thank you for what you're doing, God. I pray that tonight you'll just speak to each one of our hearts. Help us to listen and to pay attention to your word, your spirit, God. And we'll pray and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Acts the second chapter, verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all, somebody say all, all with one accord and in one place. God bless you. You can be seated. We already dealt with it this morning, how important it is that we are together. You'll see that throughout the Word of God. You'll see a theme that runs through the Word of God that as we look even early on in the book of Genesis, we talked about some of the types and shadows of the things that God would uh, would show us New Testament spiritual truths. One of those stories that's very early in the Bible is how they get together to try to make a name for themselves. The Bible says they begin to build this tower. Now, there's a lot of misinformation about that tower. A lot of people think they were trying to get up to heaven because it says it was a tower unto the heavens. A lot of other people think, well, since God gave a flood, we're going to make a building that's higher so he can't flood us anymore. But no, it tells us in the word of God, they said that they would have make a name for themselves. They were looking at man's ingenuity, at man's wisdom, trying to, to, to be their own God rather than worshiping and praising the one true God. And God looks down on their efforts and he confuses their their effort through, by confounding their languages. Remember the story, the Tower of Babel, which was the beginning of what we understand as the kingdom of Babylon. But now in this text that we have taken, we see kind of the bookend of it all to where God has a better plan than man ever had. And we see a time where they come together, not in their own name, but in the name of Jesus Christ. They come together not to try to, to, to show how great they are, but to exalt the King of Kings. And the Bible says God does something beautiful that day, pours out His Spirit upon them all. Amen. Fills them with the Holy Ghost. Again, let me say, no longer to be somehow just behind a curtain, a veil in the temple, no longer longer there in the thick darkness the bible describes it but now that veil has been rent from top to bottom and now the way has been made open to all flesh amen and god fills them with the holy ghost and now we are his temple 
and at the same time to show that God's ways are so much greater than man's. Almost, I would say, to laugh at those efforts of Babel. He confounds the languages. They speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. And they're all glorifying God and magnifying God in these languages. But the amazing thing about this we must look at is so missed in so many people today is that they they gathered together in one place and in one accord. So much confusion about the necessity, the, the importance of this family that God's put together. Amen. I, I know you have a special personal relationship with God. I don't want to take anything away from that. But this Bible has told us that we need one another. This birthday, if you will, of the New Testament church, this time where now the death, the burial, the resurrection has happened, God pours out his spirit and pours out that new baptism that now we can be his temple. We can be filled with his power. Amen. This day that it happens that 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 revival atmosphere happens because they're together in one place. Amen. Not distracted, not looking around, but but just in in unison, loving God. Oh, I, I don't believe that revival can happen because of a program or a committee. I believe that if we submit ourselves to God's spirit, he's going to orchestrate something amazing. Amen. He's going to bring together a unity and work in each one of us. Lay things on your heart and just begin to direct. And what a beautiful thing it is. The Bible says in Acts, the second chapter, verse 42, he preaches the gospel to them. He tells them about Jesus. He tells them that that they have crucified the Lord, the Messiah, and they cry out. And we talked about this morning, men and brother, what should we do? He says, repent of your sins. Amen. Amen. Now, just repeat a little prayer after me. Repent of your sins. Turn away from sin. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, that name that is above all names. Amen. It doesn't say in, you say, well, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say in the name of the Father? Oh, yes, he did. And the son and the Holy Ghost. I hate that people say, well, I'd rather do what Jesus said than what Peter said, as if Peter got up and contradicted Jesus. How strange would that be that Peter gets up in front of a a multitude of thousands, contradicts what Jesus said, and all the disciples sat back there and said, are you going to tell him? I'm not going to tell him. Are you going to tell him? Somebody better tell him. Oh, no. They all just were really quiet. And then all of a sudden they're doing it in Acts the 8th chapter and Acts the 10th chapter. It just spread on. Why isn't anybody doing it the way Jesus said to do it? They are. He said in the name. In the name. And he proclaims that name of Jesus Christ that day. Because that's where the authority is. Father is, there's a, that I'm a father and there's other fathers here, but father's not my name. It's not what I sign my checks with. My name is Melvin Foster Jr. Amen. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you drop down past that, we just got into that quite a bit this morning, but I just get excited about it. Acts 2 verse 42 says they continued steadfastly. That, that means they persevered. They continued and it wasn't just casual. They made up their minds to continue. If you're going to get something from God, you need to continue on in it. Amen. You know, you can start and fall away. You know, you can start with zeal and strength and, and start to fizzle out. Amen. And I want to talk about that a little bit, maybe here in a bit, but they continued steadfastly. They made up their minds. This is number one priority. I'm going to make this happen. How are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to continue in this teaching. Amen. Of what I heard today and in also in the fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers, we're going to continue on together. Amen. I read to you in first Corinthians 12, many verses, but in verse 15, 14, rather, I told you, I read to you that it says for the body is not one member, but many. And that chapter goes on and reiterates that in so many different ways that we've got one body, but you're not that body. I'm not the body of Christ. I'm a part of the body of Christ. 
And the Bible goes through extensive teaching about each one of us having gifts differing according to the measure of faith that God's given us, the measure of faith that we exercise. God's given us these gifts, and they all fit together so beautifully. We are mis- we're misunderstanding if we think that it's all done because I, I'm born into this. But to be a part of what God is doing is to be integrated into the body, to be a part of, of the family of God. I want to add something to this God laid on my heart because I hear a scripture so often used. And, and um, you know, you say, well, it, it's, uh, it's not just so much me, but I understand that. I know what the Bible says. Jesus said where two or three are gathered in his name, that I'll be in the midst of them. So you know what? That doesn't mean I need to get together. And with people, I can just, you know, when I'm talking with somebody, maybe sitting out at a restaurant somewhere, I've I've seen people say, they get so excited. That's church to me. That's church because two or three, hey, this is church. Eating Taco Bell. I like my church better than their church. Because where two or three are gathered. Got to read that chapter sometime. There's a few verses people use out of context there. But it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I can forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Because God's going to put together a community of faith. That's what this whole New Testament is about. You can't get away from it. Amen. These letters that Paul wrote were to assemblies. Those that were the called out and gathering together. You say, I don't need that. I don't need what Paul wrote. I've got my taco. And I've got one friend that don't like church either. This is our church. Read the chapter. It's Matthew 18, I believe. I'm pretty sure about that. And he says, when there is a brother that sins against a brother, you go to him. And you talk to him about that sin. Try, don't try to, don't try to rub his face in it. Try to make sure he can get saved. Cause if he doesn't get saved, if he doesn't make it right, he won't be saved. If he doesn't receive you, take somebody else with you and try to talk to him. Try to win him. It's called church government. That whole, that, that whole passage is about that. And there's several verses that people just take completely out of context. And if he won't receive to the, that second one, said so take it before the church. And if you have two or three that are, that are gathered together in that time of, of government and discipline like for sin in a church, I'm with you on it. Right. If you've got two good men, three good men that, are, that agree together that what was done was sin and it, it's going to affect revival, I'm with you on that. Read the chapter. We don't have time for that. We're going to go on. But it has nothing to do with being able to forsake the assembly. Hey, you and me, let's go out and get drinks. You know, that's church. People thinking they're having church in bars. Sitting back and having a good time. Hey, we're talking about Jesus. This is church. It's not church. It's not what that scripture is talking about. Hebrews 10 verse 25. We read this morning. Says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. There's a lot that happens when Christians get together. There's a lot of things that happen. We can, we can worship God together. We can pray for the sick. God anoints and moves in the gifts of the Spirit, as we saw this morning. In so many different ways, God works. Yes. You're missing that at Taco Bell. Right. Right. Amen. Yeah. We're able to, to be able to continue the gospel and to, and to be able to reach out and help people in the community because the giving of God's people. Oh, that's what you like about Taco Bell. Nobody passes a plate. But I'll tell you, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. But exhorting, encouraging one another. Amen? So much the more, as you see the day approaching, I know. I have been on, can I say the side of this verse that kind of is used almost as a, a legalistic command. You have to be in church. The Bible says you're forsaking it. I like to look at it the way it's given to us. We need you to encourage each other. We need you here because you've got gifts and strengths that will help. Amen. If you're being right where you need to be, God will use you to be a help, a strength. And so much more. The devil's fighting you. And he's fighting me too. That's why we need one another. It's encouraging when you walk through that door. 
Makes me feel like I'm, I'm not alone in the battle. Makes me feel like I'm not the only one that really wants this. And when I see somebody saying, you know what, I haven't had an easy day, but I'm, I'm here to worship God too. Just that alone is a blessing. So we talked about this morning that the body, our first point of this series, I guess, was that the body is complete when we are together. And how important that is. And we, I, I tell you that, that the, the time that I spent teaching this this morning, uh, we, could, we could teach several services for, uh, for a length of time about how the Bible teaches this. But I want to turn to Galatians, the second chapter. This is a little, maybe, uh, I, I feel like most of us here today understand what I'm getting ready to teach here. But it's something that I feel like as a pastor over the years... It has almost shocked me how few people really understand the importance of what I'm getting ready to preach. In fact, a few months ago, I was here praying and had a thought about really when I began in the ministry, just what I felt would have been kind of uh, attributes of spiritual maturity that those that were leaders, those that were seasoned saints, those that were pillars, this would kind of be child's play. Things that I really was surprised that people that had seemed to be pillars, seemed to have a, uh, a testimony of really having some spiritual maturity and found out that sometimes things aren't as always as they seemed. Right. We'll turn to Galatians, the second chapter, and I'm just I'm going to read one verse out of it. It is a portion of Paul's testimony and how he came into the church and the the journey that he had, but he's bringing it into a theme of Galatians and. In the process of this, he's dealing with those that feel like the, that in order, they're trying to infect the church and steal away the grace of God and say, except you follow the law of Moses, you're not really a follower of God. And Paul was going around telling them, no, those were all shadows and types of pointing us to Jesus. And uh, he, in Galatians, really really hits it hard, really just some things that he says are very, very sharp to those that are undermining faith and the grace of God. To the point that Galatians 2.11 says, but when Peter was come to Antioch, listen to this, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. See, as amazing as it was, at this time, there was this influence in the church. They refer to this influence as the Judaizers. Those that would follow Paul around and try to corrupt his ministry when he's telling Gentiles, you don't need to go back and keep the commandments and the law and keep a Sabbath day and worry about whether you're eating pork or, or, or catfish or shellfish. That's all been fulfilled in Jesus. You just put your trust and your faith in him, turning away from sin, turn to him and obey the gospel. And you're going to, you're a child of God. But some of these stubborn Jews that said, okay, we'll believe in Jesus, but, but you know, these Gentiles that are coming in, they, they need to start keeping the law like us. And, and this influence became so strong that when they all got together at one time, Peter, see, see the Gentiles during the old covenant, they were unclean. You didn't just go hang out with Gentiles. You didn't go into their homes. Remember, Peter was used by God. Remember the, the vision? An angel comes to Peter and says, listen, I want you to go to Cornelius' house. Cornelius, that's not a Jewish name. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a Roman centurion, but he's a praying man. He's a given man. And, and he cares about his community. And I've, he, he's, I wanna, God wants to save him, but you need to go preach the gospel to him. God's already dealing with his heart. 
Peter goes to Cornelius's house in Acts the 10th chapter. You can read it there in your spare time and comes in. He's even, you know, God had to really deal with him, gives him a, a vision three times of, uh, of a sheet coming down and from heaven with all these unclean animals. And he says, kill, rise, kill and eat. He says, I don't, I don't eat that stuff. Those are ceremonially unclean Old Testament laws. And God says, don't call something unholy that I've cleansed. He gets the idea that this was just a type and a shadow of 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 being able to, that God's going to open the door to to all flesh, to Gentiles as well as Jews, non-Jews as well as Jews. So Peter comes in and he he tells him right away, not really going to win friends and influence people, trust me. But he walks in and says, you know, it's not ordinary for some one, one of us to come into a house of a Gentile, the non-Jew. But I know God talked to me. I imagine a lot of people would have shut him down right there. How dare you act that way? But you know what? Cornelius needed to hear from God. So God speaks the word through Peter, and Peter preaches the gospel to him, tells him about Jesus. And while Peter is preaching the word, the Holy Ghost falls on these. They must have been just eating it up. He's preaching, and all of a sudden, they start speaking in tongues while he's preaching the word. They get the Holy Ghost. Peter stops everything and says, hey, can we, any man forbid water when they get the Holy Ghost just like we got the Holy Ghost? And he commands them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So uh, God uses him. Remember when Jesus said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom? God uses Peter to open that door to those who are non-Jewish, to the Gentiles. But now these Judaizers are coming around town. And Peter's so concerned about these people and how they're acting. While they're around, he separates himself from the non-Jewish believers. He kind of stays away from their table. And Paul sees him caught up in all this. And the Bible says, he tells them in the Galatian church, when he came to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. I called him out. Amen. I called him out and I said, what you're doing is wrong and you know, it's wrong. You know, they received it from faith and you know, even us and our fathers and the prophets, we weren't able to keep that law. We needed a savior. And he explains to Peter, Hey, what you're doing is wrong. And he withstands him to the face because he was to be blamed. Can I tell you? It's so important in our walk with God. I'm not taking anything away from your relationship with him. I'm not taking anything away from your desire to serve him and be saved. But we all need to be accountable. It is too easy for any one of us, preachers included, to drift off point. You say, I don't believe that I have a walk with God. Peter, he did too. You think? You think Peter might have known Jesus? If Peter could drift off and needed a brother to say, hey, come on now, you know better than that. That wasn't a split in the church. That wasn't a, 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 an enemy made for life. It was a friend that said, Peter, let me tell you something. You messed up. We need to make this right now. You know, we should never... Be afraid of a friend that can come and call us out for some of our when we when they're concerned for us. Amen. You shouldn't have your friends on eggshells. You should not have your friends. I tell you, sometimes I've been, I, I you know, I've, that that idea of of you know, I'm, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. Sometimes I, I eggshells. Shoot, I feel like I'm in a minefield. <laughs> There shouldn't be, I don't want, I don't want anyone to feel awkward being able to come to me. Now, see here, I know, uh, trust me, I know, you know, there's plenty of people that want to condemn and point a finger and judge you. I'm not talking about that. That's not what Paul did. We don't need that. I don't have a lot of time for that. Sometimes, you know, I try to listen to those kind of people. Maybe they know something, but their attitudes, uh, you know, it's just a burden. It's, it's a curse to you when people are that judgmental and you, you just feel like you never measure up. And, but a friend that can help you see the truth is a true friend. You know, in this world, 
uh, and the, uh, the teaching of just trying to understand how we interact with one another. I've, I've heard it said many times, you know, the, the levels of relationship, the levels of friendship that we have. We have acquaintances, you know, hey, hey, I know who you are. How's it going? And I don't really mean I want to hear what he did today. <laughs> right? I, I, hey, hey, how are you doing? Please just say okay, and, and we're going to keep on going. And there's other people you small talk with, and, and there's other people maybe that you uh, get a little more, they know a little more details about your life. But, but the closest Friendships you can have are the ones, the closest relationships you can have are those that you're vulnerable to. Those that you feel safe enough that they can tell you what you don't want to hear. I know there are some people in church that feel like that is because they've been hurt, they've been judged, they've been maybe even spiritually abused, if you will. They don't feel like that is even appropriate. But there are people, I thank God, in this church that even in the midst of the storm will say, hey, pastor, I want you to make sure I'm thinking straight because right now I'm up against a lot. And you can recognize that. So wise. It's so wise. You know, I feel like sometimes, brother here, uh, I I don't know if a lot of people know the story, but I I know uh, early on when brother Chris was, Delivered from addiction. I mean, just like that. Just took it away from him. But you know what? One day, I think he was, uh, I don't know if he was working a job. He was looking through his garage and found some drugs. By his words, my drug of choice. You know, he called a friend and said, hey, help me. I'm going to step back. You know, I, I believe fully, and I think he does too, he could have probably grabbed that and thrown it out. But who knows what might have happened throughout that day, the devil wearing on him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's not drugs. But you know what? The devil can wear on you. Maybe he would throw it in a dumpster somewhere, but I'll tell you what could happen when the devil wears on you all day long and into the night and somebody, all of a sudden people are mad at you and you don't know why and, and people are dumping their, their trouble on you all day and in the middle of the night you find yourself wandering out to that dumpster. It might even be five miles away. But he went and called a friend and said, get rid of it and don't tell me where you put it. Can I tell you, Christians, you might never been an addict. But your soul's on the line. This is serious to be able to say, hey, listen, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to deceive myself. Amen. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. That's you. That's me. Seems right. But a friend can help you say, hey, wait a minute. Can I tell you, being in this for a while... I have found that you, you see some patterns. You see some, some easy snares of the enemy. And it's so much better to be able to have somebody that has some experience that can say, hey, I know you pray. I know you read the Bible. I'm not saying you don't. I know you want to be saved. But we are vulnerable to the devil's deception. He dresses up snares. With lures that look so good. You don't think David had a walk with God? You don't think David, the Bible says, a man after God's own heart could hear from God? But he was able to drift. How much more can I look at myself in the mirror and say, God, let me make sure there's people in my life that are comfortable, that are welcomed, that are invited to talk into my life. Amen. Proverbs 30 says there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet they're not washed from their filthiness. This Bible teaches us that our own hearts can deceive us. But a friend can come and search out that matter. That kind of that level of accountability is is lacking in a lot of people, lacking in a lot of churches. We feel like we come in and we want validated. How sad is it? I mean this. There's sin that is rampant on our streets. The parades and the, the, the influence of, uh, of perversion and confusion. And people say, you know, you're hateful because you don't agree with me. You hate me 
because you don't validate me. And we look at that and we say, it's not hatred. It's not fear. It's just an understanding of what is righteous and the damage that's doing to you and to 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 our culture. And I'm not afraid of you. I just I want to help you. And then in church, we we feel like we need to you. you, If you don't agree with me, you hate me and you uh, you feel under attack. That kind of insecurity is so dangerous. That kind of pride is so dangerous to think that somehow that you and you alone know exactly what's going on. Everybody around you that's got the Holy Ghost, everybody around you that's been living for God sees danger, but you don't know better than everybody else. Help us, God. I heard a story. I actually was reading a book here a few days ago, and I, I read something that shook me, something that I, I, I've recognized this in different ways, but... Uh, I remember telling somebody as I toured the the Holocaust Museum in, in Washington, D.C., and the evil that you see that was happening as, as uh, the Jewish people were being exterminated, horrible, heinous ways that they were being just destroyed. And, and you're learning that they were so devalued as, as human beings by the Nazis, that they were uh, some of the generals and some of the elites would have lampshades made of the skin of exterminated Jews and bars of soap that were made from the reduced fat body fat of some of these. Just that, that kind of evil. And I remember walking through that with preachers and saying, you think those Nazis were any different than anybody else, or you and me? In this book I was reading, Adolf Eichmann was one of the head generals and one of the designers of what they called the final solution, how we are going to exterminate every Jewish man, woman, and child on the face of the earth, as well as other uh, races that they felt were subhuman. And Adolf Eichmann was one of the, the, the uh, architects of this final solution. He was one of the head head leaders under Adolf Hitler. And when he was brought to trial in Nuremberg, that he was uh, being accused and condemned for crimes against humanity. There was one man who was a Holocaust survivor that attended those trials. And when he saw Adolf Eichmann come into the courtroom and take the stand, this... Uh, This Jewish man who was a survivor broke down in tears and just cried strongly. And they asked him, they said, is it the pain and the suffering of what you know this man caused? He said, no, I was overwhelmed seeing this person. He was just a man like me. And I realized if he's able to be, have such evil in his heart, God Help me. Look at me. Is this what I am capable of? He didn't see a monster. He didn't see a demon. He saw a person like himself. So often we try to look at sin, and it's easy to look at our community and, and look at others and say, oh, look at that horrible person. I've heard people say, oh, they're monsters. They're demons. Except for the grace of God. Where would we be? What would we be? And God help us when we start making choices that get us on dangerous ground and we close down anybody that would say, hey, please don't go in that direction. Backsliding is not only possible. It happens over and over and over again. And I've heard people. Oh, that church. They won't leave you alone. You know, if you hear the story out there, oh, they shun you. Not this group. (laughs) Opposite of that. Spirit of God's dealing with you. And you say no. Prayers are going up and you walk over those prayers. Then people reach out and say, come on. You know, if you can't come to church, let's talk, let's go to coffee, let's, let's get lunch, please, let me just help. And, and you say no. And I know better. I'm closer to God, I've heard, than ever before. 
All those people loving God, serving God, praying for God. Those dummies still going to church, shouting and dancing, don't know anything. Help us, God. The snares and the stumbling blocks that the devil sits in front of us, we are all susceptible to. Amen. I'm, I, I would, I'd be a fool to stand up here and act like I'm telling you something that I don't believe for me. I'm not saying, hey, come on, guys, you're not a preacher. You could mess up. <laughs> Preachers are, have targets all over their life and their families. Amen. I don't know how many times I've had conversations with people. You, help, you tell me. I had a preacher call me just here recently and say, I want you to, I want you to meet me somewhere and talk to me and tell me what I, maybe I don't want to hear, but I, I think you'll tell me what I need to hear. Man from another state said, "Could you meet me halfway, somewhere, maybe, maybe out in Western Pennsylvania or something, somewhere where you can just talk to me because I feel like I'm on a ledge and I, I don't want to fall any farther and I need somebody to just tell me what I need to hear and I think you're that person." Listen to me, church. We all need accountability. We all need to be open. Why is it so hard for people? To just receive help from a friend. I quoted something to you, kind of paraphrased it from Hosea, the eighth chapter. The Bible talks about Israel forgetting his maker, but he's still building temples. I still pray. I still give. And they multiply fenced cities, it says in Hosea 8. It doesn't say they repent, but they build up their defenses. Just God spoke to me when I read that. How much sometimes when we're going astray, where we should be able to be open and and sensitive to to anybody that might say, "Hey, are you sure you're doing okay?" Well, let's let's say you know people people say I'm doing fine. You know what does that mean? What does that mean? It ought to mean something. I always kind of go back to basic maintenance and brother Mike kind of laughing at me because I wasn't real good at my car, taking care of my car. And, and uh, you know, oh, yeah, it's running good. Do you check the oil? <laughs> Come on. You know, you know, do you, do you check this? Do you make sure this is full? Do you, do you take care of this? Ah, Come on. You worry too much. Right. And I think about just basic Understanding, you know, we say we're doing really good sometimes. What does that mean? What does that really mean? You can feel good all, you know, all the way to hell. You can lie to yourself. You can lie to people and say, I'm closer to God than I've ever been. I've seen it time and time and time again. I've seen people so, so lost. I stopped one time years ago. My wife was with me, saw somebody who had left church and. You could see the marks of sin all over their life. And I said, how are you doing? I'm doing better than I've ever been doing. I said, can I pray for you right here in this Kmart? Can I just pray with you? I didn't have a whole lot to say. I didn't say, no, you're not. I didn't say, what's going on? I didn't say, I could. But I said, can I just pray with you? Can, I just, can we just talk to God? How sad. How sad it is to see self-deception. Self-deception. Praise God. Why is it so hard for some people to receive help? Is it pride? Is it pride to feel? Does that make you feel less of a Christian because someone else can see a little more clearly than you can? Because that's not the case. It's not that you're weaker. It's not that you're less. It's just that, you know what? We are so bad at examining our own selves. God made it so that this togetherness is a safety net. When you feel like you're doing good, I can say you're not doing what you used to be doing. You're not as strong as you once were. You might not realize it, but other people can see it clearly. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you just don't, you you can't examine. And is it, is it pride that says, oh, you're putting me down? No, no. Trying to pick you up. You, 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 You just being mean. No, I want to be a friend. I wouldn't be a friend to watch you continue to get farther and farther away. Amen. Amen. 
When people have a walk with God and a determination to stand for God, to get closer to God, and to get as far away from anything that would take them away from God, not only sin, but every weight, the Bible says. And then all of a sudden, they're gathering weights. They're collecting sins. And you see that, and you say, hey, hey, brother, hey, sister, what's going on? It was Ahab that said, have you found me, O mine enemy? Not a godly man. But pride. Pride makes you feel like your friends are putting you down when they're just trying to help you see what you can't see. Amen. Sadly, a lot of times, and I know... I know the one that rejects the help and the friendship of accountability to the togetherness of what the body is for. I know people, oh, you know, that church is just a mess because, you you know, I can't do what I want to do. You can't play in traffic without a friend saying, please be careful, is what you're not seeing. It's called healthy friendships that care about you. If I can use Brother Chris as an example, if I thought he was kind of hanging around some of his old druggy hangouts or starting to gravitate towards that, you better believe I'd be a friend enough to say, hey, what are you thinking, man? Yeah. Right. Oh, you better say it nicer than that. <laughs> are you serious? But I'll tell you what's wrong with a lot of folks that they won't admit. They'll never admit. Some folks, they want their sin. They've counted the cost and not willing to pay the price. They'd rather have sin. Then have a clear conscience with God and to walk closer to Him, see God's blessings unfold. They put more value on, like, like Judas, put more value on thirty pieces of silver than being a disciple. Some people aren't ready to give up their sin. Some people aren't ready to say, "I'm going to love Jesus no matter what." They would rather believe a lie that says you can have Jesus and sin too. You can have Jesus and just not get super close to him. You can have this kind of, I'm just a a weak little Christian that doesn't really have a lot. But you know what? Thank God for his mercy. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God help us. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. The Bible says God's going to put people around you that care about you. A friend that's going to see and... Be able to be like Peter said. Paul said to Peter, hey, Peter, can you imagine Peter that walked with Jesus? Peter that stood up on the day of Pentecost in front of thousands and told them the plan of salvation? Peter, who they lined up to get under his shadow. Anybody remember the story? That they could be healed. By the power of God that was in Peter. And Paul goes up to Peter and says, Peter, we need to talk. What you're doing is wrong. And you and you know it. If Peter could receive that graciously, God help me and each one of us to be able to say, God, thank you for the friends in my life. Thank you for the people that will love me enough to be uncomfortable enough to come and say, hey, can I talk to you about something? Because how we need one another. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh, hallelujah. I truly believe that one of the marks of Christian maturity is how much you understand your need for those around you to be able to To love you enough. I'm not saying it's just everybody's business, but you ought to have somebody in your life that can say, hey, I'm praying for you and I'm concerned. I see something I think you're missing here and it's, you know, sometimes it keeps me up at night. Sometimes it pulls my mind away from time I'm spending with my friends and family because I'm, I'm concerned because I know Jesus is coming soon and 
I know that this life is so short. I, I don't I want to see you in heaven. I want to see you there. I can't bear the thought of of this snare getting a hold of you. I see it affecting your life. I see what it's doing. And I want to help you. I want to help you get back to where you need to be. Oh, how we need. We need a friend. We need a. I know God talks to you. I know that there is a. You have a prayer life. And I understand that. But if Peter needed help, can I tell you, I think every one of us can use that kind of accountability. That's why God's brought us together. And that's why a lot of people don't like church. That's why they get angry. Quit calling me. Quit texting me. Quit reaching out. Quit telling me how much you love me and care for me. Wow. God help us. God help us to seek out strength, good fellowship, the right kind of friends around us that won't just easily watch us slip and fall and Keep on going like nothing happened. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Just even this morning, I had some coming into my office. Had others even calling me on the phone. Hey, I want I want to hear. I want to hear some things from you. I want to know that I'm going the right direction. I want to know if I'm doing something wrong. I want you to dig, tell me what I need to hear. Come on, don't be so proud. Don't be so insecure. Lord, in Jesus' name. This is heaven or hell. This is your soul. How can the church sit back and not be concerned and act like it's not our business? We are our brother's keeper, church.
snares for you. People understand so little about spiritual warfare. But there is a battle. There is a battle going on. And we need one another. We need God to work through each part of the body. Oh, hallelujah. God's Word in the Old Testament talks about the battle plans. I think it's in the book of Nehemiah when they're building that wall up together. They knew the enemy was going to be attacking, so they devised a plan. We're going to work over here. We're also going to have a way to defend ourselves. But if the enemy comes over here and it's too much for us, we're going to call for you. We're not going to be too proud to say, hey, we need some help. Because that's how the church works together. We defend one another. We look out for one another. We strengthen one another. Oh, hallelujah. Because we understand how serious the battle really is. Oh, I thank God. Thank God for my friends. Thank God for those that encourage and strengthen. But listen, it's not always just happy, happy feelings. It's sometimes it's, hey, we need to talk. I'm worried. I'm concerned about you. Sometimes it's intervention. Sometimes it's time to say, hey, come on now. This isn't the way we overcome. This isn't the way we we win battles. Come on, don't give up. Don't give up. God's, God's working. God's going to help you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the... The strength that you give us, God, the warning that you've given us, help us together to care about one another, to love enough to, Lord God, to warn, to, to strengthen, to, Lord, to receive the kind of help that we need, God. And I ask you to just go with us, Lord, tonight, Lord. Keep us safe as we travel. Shine your light through us this week, God. We love you. We thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church.